Hey everyone, welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Steve. And I'm Bill. Movies talks, so let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. How you doing this week, Bill? I'm doing fantastic. I'm on vacation until January 5th. Uh, it's the day after Wrestle Kingdom 11 in Tokyo, Japan at the Tokyo Dome for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Looking forward to that show. Got the day off, everything. But until then, I'm off as well. I've been at home getting up at the late, late hour of 9 o'clock in the morning, watching movies all day, eating caramel corn, just just living the life. Wow, it's not even that cold outside. <laughs> very tepid winter. Been very like 40s and like mid-40s most of the time. Yeah, well, it snowed once, so global warming's a myth. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly it's a myth. Uh, religion dictates science, as we'll discuss later in today's episode. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing great. Uh, watching a bunch of the films, Rachel and my mother picked me up for Christmas. Uh, some of them have been good. Some of them, well, one of them was surprisingly good, and but a lot of them have been very bad. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I watched the 1981 quote unquote comedy <laughs> Neighbors, uh, starring Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Oh, I love Neighbors. It, that movie is terrible. Oh, I love it. It's not really a comedy though, because it's not funny. It's not funny at all. <laughs> it's a very confusing movie. Which it is we, confusing. It's like you got John Belushi as a straight man for some reason in your comedy film, and then you're just doing a lot of weird stuff, and I'm not sure what the... There was like there was like maybe one or two actual jokes in the film I laughed at. Most of it was me just sitting on my couch looking miserable, just wondering what, what's going on here. Why is, why is any of this happening? I don't understand the joke. I don't understand what... <laughs> <laughs> who are these people and why are they torturing John Belushi? Why are they doing this? And why is he okay with any of this? Right. I don't understand. And I also watched uh, Johnny English Reborn. I so, liked the original Johnny English a lot, so how was yeah. Reborn? Oh, it's more the same, so it's not very good. You already had an entire film of him being kind of bumbling, but then saving the day. So here's a second film where he continues to do bu- just bumble, but... But somehow saves the day. Mm, that's annoying. It it wasn't good. That's too bad. It wasn't good. It was just like... Have so moments... even if someone that really liked the first one, I would not like the second one. No, I, I don't recommend it. I, I okay. just never saw it because I think it was one of, it came out in theaters and just left theaters very quickly. Very quickly. Which I always took as a sign. Like, I mean, it wasn't very good, but it was so cheap on DVD and that's what I got, I got for Christmas. And watched it and like, ah, he, it's, this is... You just... You know, you, you've seen the first film... And you think by the end, it's like, okay, he's an agent and everything, you know, fine, you know, he's still kind of bumbling, but fine. But then you have a second film that's just more bumbling, mm-hmm. and him still doing a ton of stuff, just being stupid. I don't, it's just, I don't understand. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no, no growth of character in the first film. We're just right, right back to square one, except this is the mm-hmm. second film. Yeah, that's annoying. Where he's supposed to be better than it, and, and, it, and it just, yeah. Because that's why I like, because I like the first show in English, because it was a comedy, but it wasn't a parody. Yeah. It wasn't Austin Powers. It was just a comedy version of James Bond, mm-hmm. um, which means that you know, in a sequel, he could grow and evolve and still be. It could still be funny. Uh-huh. He can still be an idiot, but not go through just the same fucking motions as the first movie. Yeah, that's sadly. There's just a lot of the same fucking motions. Shit. Yeah, like there's some good. There's some good bits. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, like most comedies, even bad ones, there's it might be one or two you know th- bits in there that make me laugh. But the, the film as a whole was just a lot of, okay, Why we're just retread the same ground here. Right. Further proving that 99% of the time comedy sequels are terrible. Yes. So, that just... 
continues to provide more evidence for that statement. Uh, Steve, how are you doing post-Christmas? Are you doing okay? I'm doing okay post-Christmas. Uh, Christmas weekend was a little weird and rough, uh, but it's my favorite time of the year, and it, it was okay, and I'm doing okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, um, yeah. Hell yeah. Whoa. Uh, Carousel was named the uh, funniest horror comedy of 2016 by Dread Central, which is kind of a big deal, because Dread Central is one of those websites that actually fucking matters. Yes. Um, and also, folks, if you got an Amazon Prime membership, uh, Super Task Force 1 was approved for Amazon Prime, finally. So you Smoke weed every day. <laughs> Suit up every day. Um, you, so, uh, you know, stream it on Prime. Even if you've seen it before, please stream it on Prime. Because, uh, it got streamed 5,000 minutes in December. In nice. just the United States, and I'm trying to get it approved for Japan and Germany. Yeah. And the UK. Uh, but it, that's pretty good. Uh, for those 5,000 minutes, I'll get $90. Which isn't that much, but it's better than nothing. And since nobody's buying the movie, which is fine. It's three years old at this point. Yeah. Um, if you guys like Super Task Force 1, if you like the idea of a sequel, uh, push this on Prime. Push it hard, because if... This is the best chance for a sequel to happen if I can make money via Amazon Prime. Yeah, I mean, uh, someone's making money. Exactly. So check check that out. Uh, I'm going to start pushing a little bit more, you know, make a couple images, try to promote the fact that it's on Prime, maybe get some more clicks. And maybe, who knows, maybe it'll be huge in Germany or something, I don't know. Hey, you know, as long as you're huge somewhere and you have an audience somewhere, next thing you know, you're getting calls. You're getting hey, maybe we'll be Germany because remember in uh, Germany, I'm I have the uh, uh, title card above Doug Bradley in the Screen Park DVD. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Steve Rzinski, Doug Bradley. Wait a second. Well, um, I mean, Doug Bradley's barely in the film, so I mean, it's more fair, but it still makes no sense. George Clooney in Return to Horror High. I watched that film the other day, and yep, he dies in the first five minutes. Yep. But it's also going to be kind of like a meta meta comedy film. Right. So it kind of works. Even 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 after the fact, when he became a star, and is thus the movie selling on the fact that he became a star afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like many films. It's like, Brad Pitt's in this. He's in it for two minutes. <laughs> Man, I keep on, keep on hoping that one of my actors becomes a huge star. So I can bank off that shit. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like all those other guys and people in the seventies and eighties, like that. Wow, man, there's that one William Shatner film that that uh, that John, John Travolta's in it, but he's under a mask and he has one line. Yes. But when the when the film came out, like it was a re-release kind of situation back in the seventies. I was right after this, like Saturday Night Fever came out, so obviously hot, John Travolta's a hot ticket item. Mm-hmm. And so it's like John Travolta in, and it, again he has you know one line and he's under a mask. One line. Yep. Perfect. John Travolta stars in that movie. Fuck William Shatner. Stars in that movie. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Shatner, piece of shit. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't mean that. I fucking love William Shatner so much. He's nice. He's a nice guy. He is. He's. He seems okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's like as a person or as a guy, but I like him as an artist. I really like his um, albums. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you laugh, but I say that completely no, 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 no. I think no. there's a lot of truth to it. It was more about your apprehension and using the word album. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't know what to call it. Uh, I do genuinely like them, but albums They're fun. is a stretch. They're fun, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Uh, 
from stories between George Takei and other people over the years, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to feel about Shatner sometimes, but mm-hmm. that's why I say he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> it's he seems the most, like a nice most nicest guy. thing you can say about you know this place. Be plain Jane, be like, oh, he seems nice. <laughs> that's seems nice. Not great, not bad, not shit, not amazing. He seems nice. He's 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 nice. He seems like a nice guy. He is nice enough. He did not rape anyone <laughs> on camera or behind the camera, so he's better than Roman Polanski. Which, again, Roman Polanski's still not in prison in America. Nope. We will never stop fighting this fight, even in 2017. He'll die in 2017. <laughs> 2017 memes. Gotta keep those memes going, guys. 2016 wasn't enough. Let's just fill 2017 with, oh man, 2017, me. Me. Oh man, 2017's killing everybody. Me. <laughs> me. Yeah, great year. Uh, but I will not let it kill this podcast. But will kill this podcast is more of the same from Ridley Scott. Oh, yay. Uh, we got the trailer for Alien Covenant this oh, past week. Sweet. I have been looking forward to seeing that trailer. I hope that they give some sort of explanation in it for like what the basic plot's going to be like. I don't want fucking spoiled, but I just want to have a basic understanding of what the fuck this movie is and what's happening. Okay, Steve. Okay. Did you like Alien? It was, Alien's okay. I respect it as a classic, but I, you know, I, I think it's okay. Okay. Well, there you go. Oh. I like aliens, though. Are they, they at least going to make the lead actress look exactly like Ellen Ripley? Yes. Sweet. But it's good. But the movie looks like Alien. Great. So you know they land on some planet, some eggs, you know, pop up. They get a face hugger. There's a xenomorph on their ship. They all die. They walk around the planet with no fucking breathing apparatus again. But no, this it's okay. It's cool. <laughs> no, it's not. They checked it. It's cool. I'm curious what the fuck the backburster is. Uh, it's just another way. I don't. I don't know. It'll be no, just another xenomorph. Maybe he he grows xenomorph wings. Another just you know well there's little pores. So, oh man, those are that's they're getting in you. It'll be another distraction thing, similar in Prometheus when they they got the. Um, there's black goo. There's green goo. No explanation as to which. No, the but fuck then there's this big is. like you know octopus thing that face hugger that gets on an engineer, then produces a little tiny baby xenomorph. It's a type of xenomorph. It's not even a fucking xenomorph. It looks fucking weird. Well, it's another, it's another xenomorph. It's a, it's a xenomorph. I mean, it's just not what we... Yeah. It's not the silicon-based... It's not the based, alien. You know, it's not the silicon-based xenomorphs we were used to in the previous films. Because mm-hmm. as we know from the expanded alien universe, the uh, they they can adapt and will change based on what species they take part of. Yes, which is really that's, cool. I don't that's like why that. Alien 3, the xenomorph in that film, was very different because it was in a dog. Or a cow. Yes. <laughs> one of the two. One of the two. Um, yeah, that's one of the things that I miss the most from the original Prometheus script, is that they had, like, a shit ton of different xenomorphs in order to, like, help show that more. Mm-hmm. And it sounded really cool. And then instead, they got the guy that wrote Sloss to write Prometheus, and so it's just a bunch of unanswered questions and mysteries that don't get answered, because they want you to tune into the next episode. But, oh, wait, it's a feature film, and you shouldn't have to fucking do that. Yeah, I, I will agree with some stuff about Prometheus, that at least it was something different and kind of weird and did some different things. That's cool. It wasn't there a good were, movie There were good means. parts to Prometheus. Mm-hmm. No argument whatsoever. There was parts that I liked. There was It was visually gorgeous. I liked that they tried to do some different stuff. I dig that part. Yeah. But it a movie loses me most when it can't tell a fair, cohesive story. Yeah. Prometheus did not do that. 
That's what leads to me and my wife leaving the theater, just yelling at each other about why this, why, what, that didn't make any sense. Why'd they do that? Yeah. Why'd this happen? Why'd this happen? Why? Man, that, that's like the, my prime example in recent memory of a movie where I left pissed. Like, just like, what the fuck was this? Yeah. What is this? Can we have Tony Scott back now, please? Please. I'm so sorry. He, I'm so sad he killed himself. I just want Alien Covenant to come out so we can get the Alien sequel, please. Yeah, the one that Neil Blomkamp wants to do with everybody. Yeah, we talked about that last week. It's yeah, like, we did. Right. We're going to talk our, about it our, again. That's the big thing. That's what we want. That's what we want so bad. That's what everybody wants. You know. It's okay, Steve, because, you know, Power Rangers is going to be great when it comes out. It's gonna, oh, it's gonna, fuck you. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be like, it's gonna, you know, by the end of the film, there's going to be some nods to the 90s, 90s stuff, guys. There's so many like that, that rose rumors coming out for damage control being like, no, no, I think fan the fans of the 1990s Mighty Power Rangers are really going to enjoy it by the end. Mm, I really don't think so. And it's just like when, I, when you when you read the rumors about stuff that happens in the film, which of course always take them with a big grain of salt. It's like, well, that just sounds pandering and stupid. <laughs> like everything I've read about that, it could do if it, even if it, if it was true. Like this, this, you know, just take the position here where it might actually come true in the film yeah but for some stuff it's just like well that just sounds stupid that sounds stupid and like very pandery fan service mm-hmm. where it's like uh we did we fixed it right guys eh. it's like no you could have just did this right from the beginning and said <laughs> yeah, you just, just did all you made chronicles too right chronicle and then, harder <laughs> and then everything like goldar looks stupid the toys look stupid alpha the toys are... is still terrifying oh I god <laughs> I saw a toy review of the Toy Alpha, and Jesus fucking Christ. God, and it's so funny, everyone was like, no, man, that's just like early production designs. I'm like, well, now there's a toy out, I'm like, well, that's clearly what he looks like in the movie. To be fair, and I think you're right about all, like, all the Zords and Alpha and stuff in this movie. Mm -hmm. But to be fair, I do remember with Transformers, early production designs have gotten the toy releases, because the CGI models were changed too late into production. Yeah. However, uh, that's because the Transformers toys have a lot of fucking actual engineering to them, because they have to be puzzles and toys, yeah. and there's a whole lot more metal parts to Megatron than there is to all of this shit. Mm-hmm. So, all of these toys are absolutely the final design, no question. Mm-hmm. I just think it's fair to play devil's advocate and say that there are some examples where the toys are not the best yeah, there'll be times when there's some, like, minor changes. Uh, design, like, for example, uh, um, Crimson Typhoon from Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. At one point, the extra arm was going to be on the other side of the body mm-hmm. instead of where it was. But that was, a late, that was like, a close change. That it, like, the NECA figure for it almost had the arm on the wrong side because it was just that delay in, like, when the, they, for when they were doing the film and doing all the special effects work where they decided to change the side. Right. So it's like one of those things where the figure could have come out being completely wrong as opposed to the uh, final product. Or even um, Constable Zuvio from the Star Wars Black series is a figure that was made, but he was a scene that was cut out of Force Awakens. So there's been this figure on the shelf for like over a year now that no one buys because that character no wasn't fucking No one knows who the fuck movie. it is, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that stuff happens, but still, it's like the overall design of something like they were not going to, you know, radically change the Alpha 5, you know, Alpha 5, Alpha? It's Alpha, sorry. Getting mixed up with Johnny Five. Sorry. Oh, okay, it's fine. <laughs> they weren't gonna just gonna change Alpha's design on a dime. Mm-hmm. So, yep, that thing still looks stupid and terrifying. And those figures, all the toys look terrible. Like, uh, it's a little side note. Toy talk, real quick here. Toy talk. Uh, toy talk <laughs> with Bill Murphy and Steve. Perfect. 
Uh, there is a new Voltron series on Netflix. I've heard good things about. Uh, it's and great. Playmates, who uh, makes all the Ninja Turtles stuff now, they have the license for Voltron, and they're making uh, new toys, and they're making new new Voltron. Like, there's obviously one that's like a you know big version that's already like all put together. That's like meant to be like a big toy version. Then there's one where you can buy all the different lions and combine it. Mm-hmm. Well, I never own. I never. I don't have a Voltron, so I thought, okay, I'll pick these up because they they look pretty good. They are very nice. The Black Lion is like the deluxe version. It has like electronic stuff, and then you buy the individual lions and connect it, and it does other makes more voice stuff. It has good, good, nice stiff articulation or nice ratchet joints. Each of the individual lions, all their legs move, and, they, and their mouth opens and it closes. They come with like little extra stuff. It all connects really well. It looks amazing. Fuck then yeah. you look at then you look at Bandai America's com, quote unquote deluxe combiner Megazord. <laughs> oh, my, that's I, the deluxe. I finally, uh, I've seen the bit, I've seen, you know, the T-Rex has been in stores for a while and I've seen some other stuff trickling out. Well, I finally caught, uh, someone did a really kind of garbage review, but that's besides the point, uh, showed off how they all combine and like what it looks like combined. And I just was sitting there, I laughed. I was just laughing at how Bandai thinks this is something acceptable to sell consumers. And it's not cheap. It's like, it's not even like you're paying like each individual one's like 20, 25 bucks or more, I think. Uh, right. And it's like all they have is just chunks of plastic. Yeah, they don't like, look good. Like for the compared comparing to Playmates Voltron mm-hmm. stuff, each each of the small lions, you know, green, red, blue, and yellow, they're twenty bucks each. They're fu- still fully articulated. They still feel like they're their own individual lions that can also turn to be parts of the you know, Voltron. Right. And and then the black lion is thirty thirty bucks because mm-hmm. it's bigger and you know, he's bigger, sound yeah. effects and all this other stuff. So that's fine, you know it. it you're getting good value for your money, but the this, the Power Ranger stuff, oh my lord! And it, it's not even it doesn't have articulation. All you're doing is literally like just plugging like it's just a big chunk of plastic. Yeah, it's, I it's, noticed that too. It's big, cool. <laughs> it's, it's really big, but like all like the way you have to like, you basically just like pop. There's no like transforming. You just like pull something up and then like just just shove the it leg, in. You just shove the legs in somewhere else. Like just pull like everything's just big hunks of plastic that just kind of shoves together. There's no actual like. You know, like a transformer or, or anything else where you, like, open something up, slide the legs in, close it, you know, turn some stuff around. There's nothing. It's just like, no, nah, here's chunk, 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 done. And it, it looks like, a, it, it just looks terrible. It reminds me of the deluxe Devastator from Revenge of the Fallen mm-hmm. versus, like, the little tiny super mini 7-inch Devastator from Revenge of the Fallen. Because the big one was fucking huge, don't get me wrong. It was, it's big, but... Mm-hmm. It's six vehicles instead of seven, and there's seven construction cons that make Devastator in the movie, so they gave up. <laughs> <laughs> and the vehicles of the deluxe one are just vehicles, and you combine them into Devastator, and that's it. And they're very similar in the sense that, like, you move a couple things and just shove them in. There's, that's it. Yeah. Versus the little seven-inch one is seven mini construction vehicles, so they figured it out there. All of the vehicles turn into robots, and then they also combine into Devastator. Yeah. So, like, the little mini 7-inch $30 Devastator was a 1,000% better as a toy Devastator than the big-ass fucking $100 one that I totally pissed money away on because I just saw it and was excited because it was big and I made a mistake. I admit that. <laughs> um, But, yeah, it's just, like, how... It, like, and it's weirder with that because that's Hasbro, and they clearly figured it out for this one toy, so why couldn't they make do it for the other toy and just make it slightly more expensive? Well, they figured it out later with the new with the new uh, um, 
Devastator they made. Oh yeah, I mean they've learned their lessons, obviously, and that's they fine. They making good combiners. Yes, good combiners. Um, but I, I just I bring that up because I think of uh, and it's even worse in this sense because Voltron's combined form is fucking awesome. Yeah. And and big. Um, whereas this, uh, Power Rangers Megazord looks like the fucking $100 Devastator, which is just like, oh, well, you just move this, this way, and it kind of looks like a hand, and you shove it in. Well, I mean, uh, can it bend? Like, no, nah, you can't really move the arm, it just stands there. Yeah, it really looks like an upscaled McDonald's toy at times. Yes, it really fucking does. Yeah, it's just, it's like, oh, cool, it's big. Yeah, but it's, it's just a hunk of shit that's just gonna stand there, like, you can't do anything with it. Yeah. Like, if you wanted to, like, do any sort of posing. There's no posing. It is just standing. They might as well go buy, like, one of those, like, 50-inch tall, like, you know, five-point of articulation figures that Jax makes. Like, oh, you want a gigantic uh, Darth Vader? Go, you might as well go buy that. That's the same thing. Yeah. You know, go spend, like, 60 bucks on that. Mm-hmm. You know. The fad of, like, 50, you know, 50, 55-inch, like, tall, like, figures like that is so funny to me. <laughs> I don't understand those, but whatever. Clearly they, they sell, because otherwise they wouldn't keep making them. Yeah, they make so many, and I'm like, are kids really that into having just a giant, like, a life-size Stormtrooper compared to them in their height? Mm. Mommy, I want a 48-inch tall Stormtrooper. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, that's end of Toy Talk. Yeah, that's the end of Toy Talk. Good, good segment. Good segment. Uh, but we have a good segment going on. This is the first episode of 2017... It's the first episode in the month of January. This is going to be a running thing throughout 2017. You're going to notice a lot of theme months. Because everyone loves theme months. Everyone loves theme months. They do pretty well. They do pretty well. So, and this was a request from way back. Way back. Like the fifth or sixth episode of the podcast on our Facebook page. Somebody was like, hey, can you do this film series on the podcast? And it's happening now, and I'm glad it's happening now because we've changed format a little bit over the years. It's no longer like two episodes, uh, I'm sorry, two movies an episode, all that type of stuff. We're doing like one episode, one 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 movie an episode. I can For say this part, right. Yeah. I can say this right. I no, guarantee you can't. it. Twenty seventeen's off to a great start. That's the best start. We you got know, a new you, segment it, with Toy Talk. We're in the you future. Know, if you start off a little rough. That so, means you have a lot of room to improve. Exactly. You can't start off perfect because we're going to go for perfection. Nowhere. Straight down. Straight down. Straight down the shitter. <laughs> Straight down to Planet of the Apes, 1968, 1 hour, 52 minutes, rated G. Let's note that right now. Rated G. An astronaut crew crash lands on a planet in a distant future where intelligent talking apes are the dominant species and humans are the oppressed and enslaved. Okay. Directed by Franklin J. Schaefer. Sh- Schaffner. Yeah, Schaffner. Schaffner. Uh, Steve, uh, what did you think of Planet of the Apes? Planet of the Apes is a film that I wish I could have watched without knowing the twist. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot to this movie. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of misdirection. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that you would write off as like generic sci-fi 60s stuff, like humans mm-hmm. existing on another planet, uh, which happened a lot. <laughs> In a lot of these sci-fi alien shows were... Uh, for production reasons. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. I'm not knocking it. But I'm just saying, like, if you don't know the twist and you just see... At no point would you question how are humans on this planet, you know, 2,000 years in the future. Like, fuck, it's this 1968. Of course, aliens on another planet are also humans, you know? Yeah. Um, I think the twist uh, takes that away, knowing that ahead of time. Uh, that being said, I, I do think that this is a movie that, for the most part, holds up very well. 
Yes. Um, I think that the writing is solid. I think it raises a lot of great questions uh, about morals, about superiority, about evolution, about um, the idea of souls or simply, like, intellect. Um, blind religion versus actual science. Um... Uh, I mean, a lot of heavy themes, honestly, and not to say the nineteen sixty, the sixties were void of that. A lot. No, no. I, f- I feel like a lot of people act like talking about that stuff is a modern thing, but no. I mean, even fucking watch season one of the Twilight Zone. That show was heavy as fuck. Oh yeah, totally. It was every <laughs> week was it was just bringing up you know all the problems, either like just like the Red Scare stuff or just. All those type of things. There's heavy themes throughout that entire show where it's just, you know, touching on that stuff. Exactly. And Rod, and Rod Serling actually helped write the, the script for this film, which is cool. Yes, he wrote definitely wrote an early draft for the film. This film is also based on a book, just it, in case people did not know that. Yes, it is based on a book. I've never read the book. I cannot compare. <laughs> I Like most of the time when you read something that's based on a book, I, I don't think, I think it's safe to say most of us cannot uh, compare. I don't much. read... Reading? I watch movies. <laughs> um, but Going yeah. back to Charleston Heston in the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> exactly. Didn't read the book, but there's going to be a movie version. There's going to be a movie. Um, yep. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, I think it holds up. I think the writing's good. Um, like a lot of movies from this time period, I do think that there are times where the pacing is off. Uh, but that's a complaint I have with a lot of movies from like the 70s and before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not a really detriment to the film itself. It's just like it was just the fucking style of movies back then, and that's fine. Yeah, there's definitely multiple parts where I'm just like, "Yep, I get it. They're walking." Yeah, they're walking. Uh-huh. Like, I really enjoy. Like, I can. I don't normally agree with that sentiment, but what I really like about the beginning of this film when they're when they after they the ship crash lands on on this planet oh that works that whole works for me because they are really milking the idea that these guys are fucked yeah exactly i i really like it because it's gorgeous like they're shooting out in the in the west of the united states or just almost like very alien looking location similar to how like you know star wars is filmed out in deserts and stuff yeah similarly and it's this great gorgeous landscape and i like it because there's very little soundtrack in the background so it's just creating this air of like i don't know uh it, loneliness yeah and it just feels very very foreign very just isolated and i really like that element to it where it just we're just watching them you know just going down the river and this raft you're just like seeing these huge expand even when they're like they're crossing over the mountains they're like sliding down the hills like the can a lot of times the camera's really pulled back so you're just seeing like little like they're them on the horizon walking by mm-hmm. it just shows how desolate and empty this entire like planet up at this point is for them and it's just it's kind of haunting in some respects right and you can also say this in a lot of ways. While this film is also science fiction, there's also a lot of horror elements to the film as well. Oh, for sure. So it's it's definitely definitely something that can fall like tie the line there, like in a horror sci-fi sense. Because while it's not like horror as in you know spooky, scary stuff, it's very horror. And you have this man who's alone in this society that thinks he's garbage and like beneath them trying to convince them otherwise and then meanwhile like one of his friends is lobotomized and they're just fucking they have every intent and want to just murder all the human like human men and i'm sorry human men and women like the actual like humans mm-hmm. and stuff or either that or lobotomize them fuck they have they, they one of his friends that gets killed is like taxidermied and just in a museum mm-hmm. i mean there are some straight horror elements of this film yeah, I think it's an, uh, a nice little touch, the f- simple fact that the um, the fact that Taylor could not speak for a while saved his life. 
Because mm-hmm. if he was talking like his buddy, immediately he would have been fucked. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, I think I think there's some truth to what Zaya says, where he did like fracture his skull. But I think on top of that, they also, you know, but at the same time, you can't you can't really trust Zaius. Well, Zaius in the meeting also says that he knew that he was a mutant too. So yeah. he uh, he was being talked to. I forget that guy's name. Uh, Landon, right? Or was that Dodge? Yes, yeah, that's Landon. Okay, I got them mixed up because they were both in the movie for act the beginning of Act One, and then they were gone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, like it's similar case here. Which I guess if we're ta- going to just jump into characters, uh, Doctor Zaius is definitely one of the most interesting characters in the franchise. Oh, agreed. Uh, and I think it's definitely the one that has more most depth because you have this guy who's the minister of science, but also like the defender of the religion. Yes, and the defender of the faith. Yeah, exactly. So he's just playing this line where it's like there's so many great lines. It's also very always been a very truthful thing of just you know if you you how you how can you be like both? How can you defend this religion if the, if something in science is like proving it to be wrong or something is like no 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 yeah, like, yeah. science and faith goes together true science like the hypocrisy yeah, exactly. of it exactly and then anything beyond that's heresy which is very even throughout history for even you know humans it's such a good analogy for that or even i think i feel like sometimes it's even worse today when you just have people just like nope god that's why people spending all this money build a you know life-size ark and stuff and saying nope this is how it happened i'm like okay you know okay it was not meant to be taken literally i always liked growing up the multiple times i was told at different parts of my life that oh they just found the actual noah's ark steve so i mean you're wrong religion's right and every time i was just like if that's if that were true i would not be hearing that from you yeah, like that would have be been everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, just even small things like in the beginning, you like you very quickly start picking up that Zeus is just hiding everything. Yes. Like even at the end of the film with all the stuff in the cave, like you, it's very clear. Like I'm not so much that he obviously he plays the game where he thinks they're mutants and all that stuff. But I do think that he also th- does see that the, that he is not from this planet or. All these other things, he's agreeing with it, but he just wants to keep every keep uh, keep religion and like keep the faith and everything as like the res, uh, presiding like law of the land, mm-hmm. like any, the, making sure that nothing nothing contra making sure nothing contradicts the yes. religion and and it jeopardizes the status quo, right? Which even as they say, even in this even in this society of apes. There's still it. it, it, it this pick is picked up more on later in the later films in the franchise. But even in this society at this point, it's very clear there is a social hierarchy where it's orang it's orangutans, chimpanzees, and then gorillas. Uh, I think gorillas may outrank the chimpanzees. It feels like the chimps are like intellectuals, but they have no real power in the society. Oh, that's fair. So I guess yeah, it'd still be orangutans because gorilla, the gorillas are also kind of the quote the military. Yeah, so they probably yeah orangutans. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I got it mixed up there. I guess in terms of intelligence as we're kind of presented in the series like orangutans are like the highest of like science and order chimpanzees and then gorillas are just kind of dumb brutes but if you look at like an actual social structure yeah orangutans gorillas and then chimpanzees yeah chimpanzees are kind of even in this society the kind of like uh, uh, oppressed minority fucking libtards <laughs> yeah exactly caring about these fucking animals yeah care about these animals want to have science want to understand history archaeology find out find out where we came from oh this is all heresy. <laughs> heresy. heresy. All, all around us. Heresy! Uh, um, I can't hear that word without thinking of um, Mike Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
What? And then, yeah. What next? <laughs> I was gonna say. Then of course we have. Uh, I'll get to Taylor last because Taylor's kind of yeah. Really leave Taylor last for this yeah. film. But then we meet uh, Cornelius and, and Zora. You mean oh zero, yes. zero. okay yeah yeah I, I thought you got mixed up with a uh, Nova I, yeah. I I I goof a lot when it comes okay. to Zero's name Zero is adorable I love Zero Zero and Cornelius are definitely on, like the heart of a lot of the films absolutely um especially Corn- Cornelius more importantly when he's played by Roddy McDowell as we talk about in Beneath the Planet of the Apes there's kind of a, a problem when they when Roddy McDowell isn't able to come back to play Cornelius like they, they the actor they get to replace him doesn't work but we'll cover that next week did they bring uh, did they bring roddy back for the third i forget yes he comes back for the third and and he comes back for the rest of the series and in, in different rate in different ways okay that's cool not not to spoil too much if... no it's fine i just i forgot <laughs> i just straight up <laughs> forgot so thank you yes uh but zira is uh, is awesome there's a lot uh, of uh subtle acting stuff that um uh who's the actress that plays zira uh kim hunter thank you there's a lot of uh subtle nuances that kim hunter did as zira um, that I feel like uh, some of the other ape actors didn't do. Not that they were poor actors at all, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of them were doing like either obvious ape stuff or just like a few things. But she has a lot of um, facial takes, a lot of emotion in the eyes, and the way she like moves her arms and stuff. Like she'll just mm-hmm. move, she'll walk forward, and her arms will just be completely extended at her sides. Yeah, similar, like, obviously, Roddy McDowell also does, there's a lot of good stuff. Oh, yeah, Roddy does it, too. I don't mean to take that away from Well, yeah, they're always doing, make sure to do a lot of ticks with the nose, and, like, they're with their facial expression, which I always gotta give tons of uh, praise to the uh, masks, the special effects work for all the the ape masks, at least for, like, the main leads. Obviously, there's mass-produced masks for all the other extras. Those aren't gonna be quite as good, but all the ones that are gonna be right in, in the camera, those are, oh, man, they look so good. They really do. They and they've aged well. Uh, there's a few oh, points totally. of the film where you can see the human mouth behind the mask. But very few times, though. Very few. And and as I was going to say, like to be fair, you can see human ma- human faces in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first movie, which was in the <laughs> '80s. So I'm going to fucking yeah. hold that against Planet of the Apes. Yeah, uh, especially you know with, the, with this you know for 1968, like as far as terms of what we had for like where special effects had gone when it came to like rubber masks and bodysuits, all that type of you know type of stuff. Everything in this film is very, very good. Probably some of the best of the decade. Oh, absolutely. Because I can think of very few, even even the seventies, like up in, maybe till the late seventies, got a bit better. But for for the time, I can't think of any films I've seen from this time period that even comes close to being as good as a lot of this stuff. I agree. At, at least for its movability, like you weren't really working with like silicone or all this type of material, so you're working with just like latex and and, and rubber, and that stuff breaks down quickly and. It's not always the most maneuverable material, but they're still getting a lot of expression in their face and the ability, like, majority, I mean, some actors, like, the mouse wouldn't move super perfectly, but at least when it came to Zira, Cornelius, and majority of the time, Dr. Zaius, mm-hmm. uh, the mouth always moved really well with the face. Or the, the mouthpiece, of the, like, the ape, ape face always moved really well with the, with the human actor's mouth. I agree. So I always really dug that. But, uh, back to Zira, more specifically, like, I... I like the, there's obviously like a, like a genuine kindness there. Like clearly she, it's like a veterinarian or someone takes care of dogs. Mm -hmm. She still sees them beneath her, but she still cares enough. Their lives matter. Yeah, exactly to her. Yeah. She's not so quick just, you know, want to, you know, lobotomize them. Like even like, it's very clear they have no funding. No one really cares, but she still cares about taking it's like like a zookeeper now taking care of actual you know monkeys and stuff like that's a similar type of thing where she they she clearly loves and cares for these animals but she doesn't even 
think at all that they're like have any true intelligence or anything like that. No, not at all. Yeah, you know, even you know, I, but I do like that out of everybody, she's the one that does believe Taylor, does believe everything. Even even Cornelius, who c- takes to liking Taylor, and still and does stuff. not believe his space story. No, even when he make oh man that paper airplane scene. Oh, it's such a so thing. good! Yeah, he throws it and they just like stare at it, looking. And even when he Cornelius goes and picks it up, he's just looking at it, like just so puzzled. Yeah, as as to what he's seeing, mm-hmm. which leads to another great thing when Doctor Zayas immediately just crumples it up and like plays it off. Like you know, there's even Doctor Zayas clear. I feel like Doctor Zayas clearly knows the full history of Earth, or mm-hmm. at least like the ape version. But like he knows about not just humans were predating apes. But straight up, like, militaries and and flights and shit like that. Exactly. Like, he knows about the war and everything. Yeah. Well, this is something that kind of gets brought up later in the films, where there was a time... Like, there, there's clearly some knowledge in their history where apes were servants that were told in later films. Mm-hmm. That that made... It, it's okay if it's not brought up super here. That's fine. Because as we've discussed, when it came to, like, Nightmare on Elm Street and other series, sometimes you're lore and rules of your universe are expanded more later yeah as you can go but you know there's there's even some evidence there that you know humans controlled apes and there's all this other stuff that gets discussed later but yeah there's always subtle things like even when he sees like the the writing that taylor did in the in the dirt there zayas is quick to cover it up the crushing of the airplane like he i'm sorry we were talking about zero going back to zayas but zayas is such a great character in that regards because of just the subtleties of his character always being able to play off anything that might jeopardize their society. Yes. And their, like, outlook on life and their their religion. Their, you know, it's, again, you know, he's the defender of the religion, which, and the faith, which comes into play a lot. And the, the scrolls and the... In the, in the A lot. Um, the tombs of the lawgiver and all that type of stuff. Right, right. Which is even funny, like, they also have, like, actual, still have uh, funerals. Like, they made a big, like, wooden coffin for one of the gorillas mm-hmm. that was being... It's just so cool how this film quickly shows you like every facet for the most part of life and, and and bits and pieces but when it goes back to zero like and like she's you know believes taylor and everything like she's she's on his side and even by the end of the film when uh Zayas is tied up she's like that's humiliating and, and like taylor says oh like you humiliated me like you can clearly see zero is sorry for that and yes. she says like well we didn't know and you know all this stuff yeah it's easy to, you know, humiliate, like, a dog or something and not think anything of it, but then as soon as the dog can talk and has intelligence, has some, a, a means to communicate and reason, has reason and all this other stuff, then you're like, oh, shit, I really did treat you like shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I treated this living thing like a, th- a living creature like a thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, but, and I also like Cornelius in the same way where he's still willing to jump like he obviously through his archaeology he knows there's more truth to at least this world even if he's not totally believing like all taylor's stories yeah he doesn't believe in the space but he does believe that that he is truly intelligent that he's his own person mm-hmm. and then that i mean it, it, either way like kim hunter and Roddy mcdowell are so charismatic as actors that zira and Cornelius are super likable yeah and they have good chemistry together oh they absolutely do yeah they definitely they they seem like a relationship. They seem like two people that have been together for a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like obviously, they're, they're in the film. They talk about marriage and stability and all this other stuff. Like even the even the society. Like oh man, it's, it's like it's like regular human people on Earth. Can you imagine? Whoa! Whoa! I these hate crazy, adults. He's crazy. Elk. <laughs> uh, I think that was, that was Lucius, uh, Lucius Zira's yeah. nephew. 
Yeah, that was such a funny little like added thing. I liked it. I gotta be <laughs> that honest. That is like teenage teenage chimpanzee. Fucking adults. Even human adults are dicks. I love Taylor's <laughs> line. Like that's true. Don't trust anybody over thirty. Oh, you're such a good line. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I guess I don't. I mean, we'll talk more about Zero and Cornelius as they because they'll obviously pop up in later films. Uh, we can co- we can cover them more later. But Taylor, gotta talk about Taylor, played amazingly by Charleston Heston. This is one of Heston's best roles, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, one of his most iconic. Mm-hmm. But I love Taylor so much. Even the beginning of the film, the crash land, everything he talks about, he comes off like such a nihilist. Yeah. Hey, everyone you knew is uh, dust. They're all dead. They're all dead. Like, I got like, like, shitting on Landon and like the whole poor yeah. Landon, poor fucking Landon. So then they're like back on Earth. There's a bronze statue that's turned green, nameplate all covered up. <laughs> <laughs> He's just digging into him, like crushing everything. It's like yeah, everything's fucking gone, man. It's oh, I I love that. I love all of that in the beginning. Yeah. It's just because like the way like Heston looks and acts and just has his attitude, he comes off such like a such a badass. He does. Like such a, and I, I, I always word nihilist because he's just like doesn't even give a shit. Like all this is gone. He's just like I don't give a fuck. Like you're prepared to die. I'm not. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Let's rock, baby. Let's and then he rock. Just falls in this shit situation, or he's just trying to survive and get out, and trying mm-hmm. all his capabilities to reason with people who can't be reasoned with. Yeah. And that's the great. That's like another horror element of the film. You're watching this guy who in the society who can't communicate. Was, who yeah, is in the beginning can't communicate. Try, d- d- does you know do things smart? Like you're not sitting there like, oh, try to write in this dirt. He tries writing the dirt. Of course, Nova. God damn it, Nova! Uh, you super fucking bitch. Played by Linda Harrison. Why would you do that, Nova? Why? Yeah, she's so because she's kind of dumb, confused, and even then he like grabs and then he, like the smart thing. Oh, tries grabbing the paper, and and, and that's that kind of that's when things start working better for him. I feel like he could have uh, more gently pointed at the paper pad instead of grabbing her by the throat. But hey, desperate times. Probably. You gotta, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta try as you can. <laughs> God damn, good old Julius. That cigar-smoking gorilla. I like Julius. He's the guy, he's just trying to do his fucking job. Yeah, like, like, he's got, like, he's got no fucking basis on any political side. No. He's just is trying to do his fucking job. He's just this in, uh, kind of a warden in this little, like, human zoo set up. I mean, like, it's just like, oh, why are you fucking gonna fucking take him to surgery? His throat's fine. Oh, they're gonna lobotomize him. Oh, that's fucked up. Why are you doing that? Zero ain't gonna like that. Nah, Dr. Zayas, all right. Hey, buddy, sorry, you're gonna get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I enjoyed how long he couldn't speak. Because it yeah. really helped the isolation aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Where he's clearly just trying to make do, and he's Obviously struggles the entire time. Then, when he finally does speak... Oh, it's, it's such an iconic line. Yeah, you know, get your paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Yep. In the middle of a public square, everyone just, like, stops in dead silence oh, staring fuck. at him. Oh, uh, Again, that's another moment where I wish this film wasn't so, like, iconic and, like, pop culture. Because mm-hmm. everyone knows that scene. Everyone knows that line, and obviously, and we'll get to it, everyone knows the ending of the film, but I, I wish it was such, like, a fresh thing to I could show somebody this and then just go, like... Like, I feel like that's a big moment, but it's not anymore because it's similar to, you know, Vader saying, I'm your father to Luke. Like, everyone knows that. Yeah. You know, you have to be, like, maybe six or seven years old to not have that reference shoved Mm -hmm. down your throat. Yeah, when people have, like, done uh, experiments, well, not experiments, (laughs) fucking thing, but when they would take people who, like, knew almost nothing about Star Wars and hadn't seen any Star Wars movie ever in their life before to, like, show them the movies starting in episode one or whatever to see, like, what Mm -hmm. their opinions would be. Even all those fucking people know that Vader's Luke's father. 
like yeah. before they start. You know, that's how yeah. iconic it is, and it's the same thing with this scene and like this ending. Well, even because from from that, like the ending of the film, or always like all those major pop culture things that are so huge and impactful, they grow from that impact, and then there's our actual like punchlines and like comedies and other jokes and that type of stuff, right. where. There's no way you could even like escape it because it's such it's so it's, ingrained it's one of those in our society. Where, where like those scenes, like this scene and the ending again, um, they're still powerful in this movie. Yes. They still hold weight, but I can't imagine the weight it would hold seeing it for the first time ever in the big screen. Yeah. Without it being part of jokes, without it being part of pop culture. Being there back in 1968, seeing it for the first time and being like, whoa. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. These apes fucked up. They just pissed off Heston. Oh, man, they're fucked. <laughs> they are he, so he knows God. He's good friends with God. He's just going to rip that fucking net open and call down fucking fire and brimstone. Yeah, motherfuckers. Just fucking choke he, slam them. Yeah, he, he's the law bringer. <sighs> he's going to bring the law. <laughs> um, Other stuff, uh, yeah, but then, of course, you know, the paper... Then trying to reason, reason with people that can't be reasoned with. I like the constantly con- being muzzled. I like the continuous theme after, like he starts being more in charge and like escaping and shit like that. Mm. He's not necessarily barking orders or taking charge, but he is not taking orders whatsoever. No, he's he, clearly he is, had enough of this shit. It's the entire theme of it's it's the theme of he's his own man in independence. But also on a more personal level, like you just said, he's just so sick of this shit. He's just fucking done. He's like, he's Ash and Armory Darkness at this point of the film, where he's just like, fuck it, I don't give me a fucking gun, I'm fucking going this way, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you. I'm I'm in charge of this expedition, I don't fucking care! <laughs> <laughs> no, pretty much. <laughs> and I really like it too, because he he's in charge, and has all this opportunity now, but... Even then, he still he still treats Cornelius, uh, Zira, uh, and Lucius like all these people with respect. And he, even though they at a point treat him like shit, he still he re- he doesn't hate them for it in a way. Yeah, he to like, a he degree clearly sees that they mean well. Yeah, to a degree, he understands that like they didn't know this is their culture, and even given the shit that they did do, they still meant well, and they're the reason yes. why he's alive. Yeah, and okay, he's no, there's no like. Him start immediately becoming an asshole. It's just very much like he's very clear on the fact that he has no intention of getting captured and going back to all that. Yeah, and that's kind of the the, the attitude he, he brings forward with everything else, which I really like. And then, uh, of course, uh, one of the greatest endings in cinematic history. It really is. Uh, is when at the end of the film he ditches everyone, rides off on, down the coastline, just ditches them, and comes upon a very destroyed and blowed up. Statue of Liberty. Which is the twist of the film that he's actually on Earth two millennia in the future. Yep. In the, in, I think in the year uh, 3900. Yeah. So, you know, thousands of years. They went, they're out in space and come back and they, they land on Earth. It's Earth, you maniacs. That, I love the reaction. That's what sells that scene to me. Just the twist, just the twist would have been enough, honestly. Mm-hmm. But that's not... Because this ending is 100% Rod Sterling. Like, they kept this completely from Rod Sterling's cut, and you can see it. You see it completely. His reaction yeah. is not, sh- like, just shock. His reaction is not horror. It's not like, oh, no, I'm in the future. It's, fuck you, humanity. You fucked up. And he's just... He's so mad at humans. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a line... There's a line earlier in the film when they first get there. It's like... 
the idea of like uh, trying to find something better than man. Like there has to be something out there better than man in the universe. Mm-hmm. And then you just come back to land on this new new world to find out this is just Earth, and here's a reminder of what man did. Yeah, they destroyed it, blew it up. Man destroyed everybody. Damn you, all to hell. Yeah, oh man, this is like the pure anger. He's just like beating his hand in the sand. Just punching. And, just... and I honestly like um, uh, Linda Harrison's acting during that scene because she doesn't understand anything that's happening. No. And it's it's subtle and you don't focus on her much because Heston sells the fuck out of that scene. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Um, and what I like most about the, en- the ending from that is just how there's no ending music. It's just you hear the the sound of waves crashing for as the, the credits, credits roll. Yeah, and that's it. Oh, it's very so good. good. It's so fucking it. good. Um, Love it so much. Do we ever get an explanation for why their ship just went back to Earth? Um, because no. that seems like I, a- well, here's what I assume. I assume it was programmed to return, and when it returned, where where it landed at, probably at some point was supposed to be something. But after after two thousand years, a nuclear war or whatever else happened to the to the planet, that's just where it happened to land. It just I guess that doesn't make sense to me. That like, why would it be programmed to return? Because it seemed like it was very much shot straight. Shot straight at another star. Yeah, at the same time, it could also be, there's clear, like, obviously, uh, um, um, what was the, uh, Stuart, the female companion on the crew, like, she died because there was a crack in her case. There was any a number of reasons. I don't think they Maybe, actually gave a complete reason, because yeah, they, they didn't have a chance to, because they had to abandon the ship. It doesn't matter. Like I just don't know if it ever came up in a sequel or something, or like, or I missed it, or what have you. Uh, not that I remember, like, when we watch Beneath next week, if it comes up, I'll, I'll make sure to make note of it, but I don't believe so. I think it's one of the things that this is where they just happened to land, for all we, you know, and that's, that's where it was, and they just didn't get a chance. They, even they couldn't tell you because they were in such a rush to abandon the ship. Right, right. So, they, they kind of talk about that. They couldn't, you know, they are able to take a reading on the air, find the air is okay, boom, let's get out of here, grab our, grab our equipment, let's go. Not a problem, just a little weird, that's all. Oh, yeah. Not, I mean, not an issue, not a negative, just a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we've been giving uh, plenty of negatives, praise for a lot of characters, direction, all that stuff. Were there any particular negatives of the film? Maybe just the pacing? Uh, I mean, the pacing's a little off. It's not that bad. It's not. No, it is not. No, no, but there's just a few parts where, you know, they could have cut some, um, a little bit of the fat off, but it's not a big deal. It's definitely better than other movies from this era, by comparison. Yeah, I feel, I feel like a lot of the time, it makes use of its time really well for most of it. Uh, like I said, a lot of the scenes where there's kind of going around, I think helps build suspense, build uh, uh, mood and tension for when they finally do, like, are coming on the cliffs, they see the scarecrows set up. You see, like, in the background, humans going over the rocks and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're finally building up to when they reach civilization of the ape mm-hmm. community. Yeah, there's a lot of build-up to it, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, one weird thing with with this uh, that kind of threw me off, and I, I guess it's a negative, it's not really negative, I don't know, it's weird, like, I, I hate to say that there's negatives in this film because it's a very, very strong fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And this is a nitpick, if nothing else. Um, at most, this is a nitpick. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of, like, the weird disconnect between the apes and technology. How, like, they hyper were cool with, like, creating guns and bullets and cameras, but other stuff is just out of their fucking mind. Like, there's no plumbing or proper fucking housing, or flight is impossible, even though they know how guns work. Uh, it's just weird to me, because, I mean, especially because, like, those are rifles, they weren't, like, shitty-ass muskets. Yeah. I, I think a lot of that is purely, um, you could wave some of it off, like, that's uh, just for the, it's for the sake of the movie, but some of it, it could also be, like, this is technology that was held over from, you know, millennia's past. It could be, I don't know, it's just, that's one of those, and I'd hate to compare it to that piece of shit Tim Burton movie. 
Mm-hmm. But that's one thing that I liked about the Tim Burke movie is that the apes had no tech. And, like, that was the big theme was, like, when they, uh, one, I don't remember any of the characters' names, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah. one of the bad guy monkeys was talking to the, one of the other bad guy monkeys and just showed him a gun. And he was just like, what the fuck is this? And he's just like, this is why we can't let humans rise up because their intelligence and their, um, inventions, um, surpass our muscle tenfold. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's the only really good thing in the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie. And I like that. So, I guess when you, when you're giving the apes all these guns and shit, I, it, but they don't understand other tech, it's just weird to me. It's not bad, it's just weird. Well, I think it's, uh, at the same time, we only see very little of their community. We don't see how, like, far, because obviously when you see map, like, it's very clear ape kind of reaches far greater than this. Obviously they have paper, they have, they do have plumbing, because they have hoses and all this type That's of right, stuff. That's right, they do so, have hoses, yeah, you're right. I'm an idiot. You know, so th- <laughs> there's clearly some infrastructure and some stuff going on there, at least when it turns to guns. They can tame horses, they can obviously tan leather, so obviously some sort of agriculture for farming mm-hmm. exists. Just because it's just one of those things we just don't see it. But, but, be, Everything is still makes it believable enough to me to like the way they make the gun. The gun, because obviously the, for the film they just took like M1s and just covered them with like a casing to make them look different. Yeah, but they're molded differently to where it looks like it's just like maybe a piece of wood that they put some some sort of simple metallurgy into. You know, there's some there's some enough there where I don't you know sit there thinking, oh, this ain't this ain't what the hell is this? It's not like someone whips out like a Casio or like a clock or something. <laughs> You know, there's no like, there's no clocks, there's nothing like that. There's no like very detailed, uh, finer ma- machinery or mechanical stuff going on. Yeah, that's fair. Because admittedly, like the the photo thing, even that's not that that complicated to, to work with and like to do with. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that's not that that complicated of a process or feature, especially again because they are on Earth, so it's not like this is some like, actual alien world. Like this is obviously technology that's been here and through the years passed along and stuff, but because of how the society functions to where it's at now, it's very clear that any sort of advancement might be, might be um, squashed and hindered because of the faith and because of the church and that type of stuff. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's very fair for sure. That's always been my interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. So in one way, and as we see, and sometimes in later films, like a lot of times they're just literally carrying guns, you know, f- that were just left out, like just, carried over over time and that type of stuff mm-hmm. so that's and i don't really have any I, any negatives like i'm i agree with you on some little things that you're in there maybe pacing sometimes but overall i, I find it pretty strong yeah, overall i'd say it's strong yeah yeah overall you want definitely you know in the in alls of you know science fiction films this is definitely one of the greatest of all time purely because it's hitting that right on the nose of you know the science element the fiction element and like all the um the, the social social issues are being brought forth really strong here which is always a very big staple of science fiction films they're not all just you know ah space operas and all types of normal you know any science fiction film worth its you know grit is going to have a you know at least a social message of some sort right in its film and this film is obviously coming out in the 60s 60s 1968 is a big year for like the civil rights movement and all this other type of stuff. Obviously, there's a big, you know, theme throughout the film of uh, minorities and what, what, you know the swip, switching of like, well, if you're, if, what happens if you were in the minority and now you're in the majority and vice versa? Mm-hmm. You can, you know, there's, uh, that's a, I think that, I think those themes are pretty pretty clear. It's the it, the more interesting themes to me are obviously the the themes of science versus religion and all that type of stuff, right? Which is always a very very good prevailing theme in science fiction movies and in just in society in general. It's a Ongoing struggle. Ongoing struggle. 
Yes. Uh, so, uh, as we wrap it up here, do, uh, what were your final thoughts on Planet of the Apes? Uh, a classic, uh, one of the best sci-fi's ever made, has definitely stood the test of time. Definitely yes. worth checking out if you've never seen it. Like, if you're one of those people that are like, oh, I don't like it's an old movie, I don't want to watch it, like, go fuck yourself, watch this. It's it's definitely a, a classic. It's great. It's shot well, it looks good, the effects still hold up, everything holds up in this movie. Absolutely. Uh, the thing I, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this review, and I wanted to bring it real quick, this movie's rated G. Yes. There's lots of cursing, uh, some little bit of nudity, depending on what you dictate as nudity, uh, blood, uh, murder, uh, <laughs> all the horror elements. Like this, this is a fantastic example of movies that nowadays would not get a G at all. Would not get a G. Hell, this film has enough little blood and some scary, like strong enough themes that might not even scrape by getting a PG thirteen. I'd say it's a hard PG thirteen. I could, I could see the MPA giving this film an R. Mm-hmm. It's one of those films where it's like you'd, you'd sit there and go, "Why is this R?" But at the same time, you like, could see given the how, MPA doing it. Yeah, totally. This is totally something I could see the MPA giving it an R, and it's it's hilarious. Like well, like Jaws, Jaws is in the same boat, and that's an absolutely an R rated film today. Yeah, but how, somehow it managed to skid by. <laughs> Yield days, and the, the rating system was not quite as broad. Uh, so, star ratings on Planet of the Apes. I give it a very strong four and a half. I give it a very strong five out of five. Like I said, that's all the boat notes, all that stuff. It's a absolute classic. It is a great a film. Great film in terms of uh, you know, world building, sci-fi, science fiction, uh, characters. Charlton Heston just being amazing, Ama- loving it. It's it's one of those classics. The, it's one of those movies where like you hear about, like you you hear about classics. You hear about films that are yo, they were so amazing when they came out and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know, I mean, if you watch fucking Rosebud today. Oh, uh, Citizen Kane. Thank you, Citizen Kane. Uh, <laughs> Rosebud. It's called Rosebud. If you watch Citizen Kane today, you'll be like, how the fuck was this like the best movie ever when it came out? Yeah. Like, it, you, you can respect it, but you won't, you can't appreciate it. And that's fine. That's not a knock on the film. That's not a knock on our modern society. It's just, it's such a different era, such a different sort of film that you will uh, most likely, honestly, be bored by Citizen Kane unless you're like a fucking cinephile or something. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff you have to remember. A lot of times it's like groundbreaking and revolutionary because of filmmaking techniques used in the film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Birth of a Nation is an, a, a, a terrible movie, message-wise, mm-hmm. but the movie has to be applauded because, like, the film techniques in that film, uh, is it makes it one of the greatest of the silent era. Same thing, you know, of films like... Not, not in this case, because this is actually a pretty good film, like Metropolis. There's a lot of examples of that. Or uh, even, like, I still... like. People still love 2001, and I cannot stand that movie. Yeah, I don't like 2001 <laughs> so very much. So slow and boring. But, I mean, that's another example of a movie classic. Like, yes, there are some major elements of it and stuff that you can appreciate and understand. But it's just you know, those cases that might not be for you. But Planet of the Apes, I think, stands up, and it's entertaining enough. It stands and... up. It still matters today. There's still messages yes. that matter today. Uh, filmmaking techniques that still hold up today. The acting holds up today. The the makeup effects and masks hold up today. Everything. This, you know, I mean, it looks old because it was shot on film in '68. Yeah. But aside from that, I mean, this film would not be out of place getting released today. Aside from its G rating. No, absolutely not. It doesn't fall into the trappings in a lot of respect of the, you know. 
19, you know, 1960s science fiction, quote unquote, science. Like, I think it, may, it keeps everything pretty simple. There's no, like, big ray guns. There's nothing simple. It's like, nope, there's astronauts. I guess you might be able to, like, aha, look at that spaceship. But it's like, okay. You never actually see the spaceship. You just see their pod. I, I well, I, I think it's believed that that's majority of it. Oh like, no, it was it, it was actually it was confirmed it. because for a very long time fans were like naming the ship and like doing designs for the ship and stuff, and then uh, mm-hmm. finally eventually like uh, for one of the anniversaries, I don't fucking know which one, they did a super special edition Blu-ray release for Planet of the Apes, and on that they filmed a short film about the spaceship itself, which okay. isn't the pod. Okay, good. That's good to know. I I, I might have I might have known that, but it's been a couple it's years. It's not important. Well. <laughs> it's not important oh, at all for the film. That's good to know. What also is good to know is the many ways in which you can get a hold of us at Movie Films of Bill and Steve. The number one way is email. Everyone emails. Everyone knows how to email. Everyone emails. Major form of communication. It's not like I'm asking you to send me a fax. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, email us at moviefilmsofbillandsteve at gmail.com with any of your questions, hopes, aspirations. Just let us know how your week was. I mean, I might read it. And uh, there's other ways you can get a hold of us. There's Facebook. Just look us up. Give us a like. Let us know. You know, this this entire month was a suggestion. If you have any other suggestions, just get on there. Get on your clicker clacker machine. Type it up. Let us know if there's some movie you want us to talk about, watch, and discuss, or torture us with. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then we're also on iTunes. Look us up. Give us a five star review and write a little, you know, little review in there. Let us know uh, your favorite line from Planet of the Apes. Or also, you can also let us know what your favorite film in the planet of the apes franchises maybe you like the maybe you like the filmation cartoon series the most i don't know <laughs> and, uh, and we're also on uh, moviefilmsbillandsteve.tumblr.com that's where you can find all the episodes all listed there all beautifully and we're also on stitcher you can find us on their mobile their i always say mobile site their mobile app or their website isn't that convenient and finally i am on twitter at level bill and you can check out my films, silverspotlightfilms.com, facebook.com slash silverspotlightfilms. You can check out Care's Hell more directly, you know, direct link to the trailer, to buying it, what have you, uh, careshell.com. And if you want to look at me in spandex, it's facebook.com slash theamazingspidersteve. Perfect. Well, as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. It's a madhouse! A madhouse!